Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. We have been studying this month on success is your birthright. Amen. I, I have said over and over and over, the more I read the Bible, the more I see that God's desire for everyone, especially his children, is that they should be successful. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, God wants you to be successful. Amen. God's desire is that you and I, it doesn't matter how we started life, he wants us to end well. He said, though your beginning was small, your latter end should be better. Hello? Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 said, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. So um, it's more important how the end look like, looks like than the beginning. I've come to realize that God is not that much concerned about how you started it. But he's more concerned how the future looks like. So he promised his children a future. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, the thoughts that I think towards you are good thoughts, not evil thoughts. Good thoughts. To give you a future and a hope. To give you an expected end. Hello? And so, God wants you to end well. God wants you successful. Because success is God's pride. God wants to be able to Say, look at that, my child. I have realized that God never bragged about failures, but he bragged about successful people. God said to the devil one day, he said, have you considered my servant Job? God was bragging about Job. And if you look at the life of Job, the Bible said he was the greatest man in the East. He was not a failure. He was an influential person. So our success is so important to God. And that takes us to our popular scripture. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. He said, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. God was careful to explain to Joshua, the laws I gave Moses, it is not intended to make your life miserable or to make your life um, burdensome. The laws I gave Moses is intended to help you to prosper. And the word prosper there means succeed in every area of your life. Prosperity is not just money, but every area of your life. Finances is doing well. Marriage is doing well. Your health is doing well. Your career is doing well. Every area of your life. When we say somebody is prosperous, it's not just money, but he's making consistent progress in every area of his life. 
God said to Joshua, when you do this law, you don't turn out from it to the left or to the right, you will prosper. So when we come to God, he makes us understand the reason why he gave us his word is not to make our lives difficult. His word is rather to make our lives prosperous. If you have this understanding, the Bible will be the closest book to you. If you see the Bible as a book God gave you to help you to become successful, to help you to do well in life, you will never stay a day without opening it. But most of the time, we see the Bible as a book that God gave us to punish us, to deprive us of being um, happy. We see the Bible as a book God gave us to put burdens on us, to make life difficult, to make us not to enjoy life. Because most of the time we see the world as a place to enjoy. Hallelujah. God said to Joshua, this book is not to deprive you of enjoyment. It is to make you have a life that is full of excitement and pleasure. Everything God put in the word is for our good. Amen. So he said to Joshua, verse 8, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. When you wake up, what you should speak most is the word. How do you speak it when you don't know it? Speak it. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to your situation. He said, meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to do all that is written in it. When you do that, then you uh, program yourself for an outcome. He said, this is the result you are going to get. You will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So success is predictable. Amen. Success is predictable. Just like a farmer knows what to get from planting a particular seed. The farmer knows that if I plant corn, I cannot reap beans. Hello? Yeah. Success is predictable because it's an outcome. It's not a magic. It's not a mystery. Amen. But more importantly, God emphasized the place of good success. Everybody say good success. Good success is success that lasts and outlives you. Hello? Success that lasts and outlives you. That is what Abraham left for Isaac, and Isaac left for Jacob, and Jacob left for Israel. Good success is success that outlives you. Good success is success that is an outcome of good things you did. For instance, there are many ways to get money. You can kill people and get money. But that is not good success. You can be corrupt and get money. Hello? But that is not good success. If you go to um, a place like South Africa today, a man like Nelson Mandela, even after his death, has a foundation called the Mandela Foundation 
that is still getting money from all over the world because of the name he left. But I tell you, you cannot insult Nelson Mandela in South Africa and still be alive. I'm telling you. They will lynch you. The man is so respected and revered, even though he ruled for only one term. One term. Hello? His children have favors for the rest of their lives. I mean, all you need to do is have a name, Mandela, attached to your name. You get jobs, you get open doors, you get favors, you get opportunities. That is good success. Amen. If you want to measure success by money and possessions, you say Jacob Zuma is more successful. Because Mandela had lived a simple life. I saw his house. He, he has many houses anyway. One of his houses I saw in Johannesburg. It's, I mean, it's nice, but very simple. Hallelujah. So let's be mindful of the fact that God wants you to have good success. So how you achieve what you want to achieve is very important. Amen. God says you should have good success. Everybody say good success. Now, if you want to have good success, then you must have respect for the principles of God. Because everything we are teaching now, you can bypass it and still be successful for now. Only time will tell how well it will work for you. Only time will tell. Turn to them and tell him, only time will tell. Amen. Amen. Jesus put it another way. He said, Matthew 7, 24. He said, whosoever hears my teachings and takes them into practice is like a man who is building on, he's building his house on a rock. And the winds blow. And the rains come. And the flood came. But that house did not fall. Why? Because it had a foundation, solid foundation. Everybody says solid foundation. Amen. Right. But there are also people who hear my teachings and they say, oh, that's too long process. That's too much burden. I'm smart. I have a, I'm smarter than God. I have a better way to go about it. They said they hear my teachings, but they will not do it. Is that they are like people when they want to build a house, they build a house on sand. So the two houses look the same. Only what is under is different. Sometimes you can see two rich people, they look the same. The worldly man who is rich and the Christian who is rich, they may look the same, but they are not the same. Did you hear me? All right. A worldly man who is married and a Christian who is married, they may look the same, but they are not. Unless the Christian is also living the worldly life. I believe that you will be a child of God that will not only be successful, but you will have good success. I didn't hear amen. amen. You will have good success. You will be successful and your success will outlive you. Your success will be a testimony that your children will come and thrive on. 
in the name of Jesus. You will, you will live your life well. And by the time you leave the earth, you will leave an inheritance for your children that is not only measurable in money. Hello? Right. It's not only measurable in money. If you read the story of Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, you will realize that he never did anything for his children in terms of money. He was too busy thinking about the nation. He didn't have enough time to do anything for the children. He had to run out of the country quickly. He couldn't take his children with him. The children were very young when he was overthrown. And when he was exiled, he never saw them again till he died. So he didn't leave anything for the children. And yet none of them are poor. (laughs) Hello? None of them are poor. So you can leave an inheritance for your children that is not money. Just do the things, do the right things. Hello? Just do the right things. Amen. All right. We've been looking at developing right attitudes for success. Last week, I was reading a book authored by Professor Stephen Adair, on leadership. And in, uh, in his book, I was surprised to come about an important statement he put there. He said, research has proved that success is 75% attitude. I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised. That was the first time I came across an information like that. Success is 75% attitude and 15% skill. Hello? Then I realized that I better take my time with this attitude thing and teach it well. Because I wanted to just rush through this because this is not part of my main thing I wanted to teach on success. There are things I thought was more important. But I realized that Every other principle of success that you will know, that you have read, that you have heard about, they work well when you have the right attitude. Amen. So we've been looking at seven different attitudes that you must develop. The first one is integrity. Integrity gives you a good reputation and a good name. It gives you a good track record. It gives you trust. The second one is generosity. Today we want to look at two more or three, if time will permit me. Amen. The third, thing, the third one is humility. Now, Dr. Otaba has a very simple definition of humility that I want us to just go with. In his book, um, Pathways of Success, Dr. Otaba defined humility as accepting yourself the way God made you and accept others the way God made them. Amen. 
that is one of the most simplest definitions of humility that um, I've ever come across. Hallelujah. So accept yourself the way God made you. Just That means, I don't know which other way to say it. Accept yourself the way God made you. And accept others the way God made them. And the question is, how, how did God made you? God made you unique and very important. God created you in his image. Hello? And the image of God is not rubbish. The image of God is virtue, quality, and precious. If he made you in his image, it means you are created very important and precious. But that is not only the case. He created everybody else like that. So when you see yourself as an important person and you see other people as important, then you are humble. The challenge that comes is sometimes there are people who don't see themselves important. Romans 12 verse 3. He said, for I say to the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. This scripture, if you can understand it, you've got the topic of the subject of humility. He said, everyone should think of himself. Hello? Not about other people. Think of himself. No, no, no. Let me say it better. I said, everyone should not think of himself more highly than he should. That means the scripture is not saying, do not think of yourself highly. This scripture does not mean, do not think of yourself highly. What he's saying is that think of yourself highly, but not more highly than your level. Amen. So, scripture says you are important, but don't exaggerate your importance. Don't exaggerate your importance. Don't don't be excessive in the value you put on yourself. Because the moment you become excessive in your value, you devalue other people. So, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. The word soberly there means with intelligence. (laughs) The word sober means right thinking. I mean, with intelligence. If we give me NLT, we'll see it more clearer. But to think, uh don't think you are better than you really are. Praise God. (laughs) That means, this creature does not mean you should not think you are better. Are you with me? Think that you are better, but no more than you really are. And be what? Honest in your evaluation of yourself. So humility is sincere evaluation of yourself. If you are sincere in the way you evaluate yourself, you are humble. Hello? And there is one way to be sincere about yourself is that you are created with value. God created you precious, but he created everyone else like he did, he created you. Now, humility, Dr. Miles Morrow says, humility comes from um, 
a Latin word which are the same root word with the word humus. Human, humus, humility, they all come from the same Latin root word. And the word humus means sand or dust. The real, if you want to study um, the meaning of humility by, by examining um, the history of the word, you can say humility could mean be like sand. That is why humble people are always referred to as people who are down to earth. Have you heard that before? If somebody is down to earth means, it doesn't mean he's timid. When I say somebody is down to earth, it doesn't mean the person is timid. He's confident, but he's simple. He's not complicated, he's not sophisticated. Because actually, we are sand. (laughs) If we want to be sincere, what are we? That is why the pastor will always say, dust to dust, ashes to ashes at the cemetery. Have you heard it before? Dust to dust, ashes to... That is what we are. We are just nothing without God. Amen. Humility is when you can always remind yourself you are just a human being. Everything else you are it's God that made you like that. If you are powerful, it's God that made you powerful. If you are gifted, it's God that make, gave you that gift. If you are tall, it's God who made you tall. You can't look down on short people and insult them for their height. Because you didn't do anything to attain your height. Hello? If you are beautiful, it's God that made you like that. You can't be proud because of your beauty. It means... You, you, you are not thinking right. Amen? Everything you have and everything you are is God that made you so. If you always remember that, it will keep you humble. It will not make you timid. So let's look at what is timidity. Because for, for a long time, humility has been taught to mean timidity. Hello? Humility, humility doesn't mean if you are walking around, put your two hands by your back and, do, and walk like this. Have you seen that before? Why do you think people do that? They want people to think they are humble. And that is in itself for me is pride. The moment you want people to think, to see you as a humble person, you are proud. You don't have integrity. <laughs> humility is not... Learning certain special, um, certain special way of living, especially special way of talking, is a life you live. Humility is be yourself and have respect for humanity. Timidity is when you begin to see yourself as not important. Because sometimes we can go through things that make us feel less human. We feel Some people are more important than us. Some people are better than us. That is timidity. So when the Bible says we should be humble, he's also saying make sure you don't slip into being timid because that also is disobedience to God's word. God created you peculiar, unique, special. Amen? Amen? You may not have 
good education, but you are special. Say amen to that. Yeah. You, you may not come from a rich family, but you are special. You may not be nice, but you are special. You may not be handsome, but you are special. You may not be intelligent in school, but you still have something that makes you special. Amen. Because God created differently. Some, some people's power is in the brain. Somebody's power is in the fist. Somebody's power is in the leg. Somebody's power is in the voice. God gave everything, everybody, something different. So what, whatever you have is what God gave you. Hello? But there is also something you don't have, which somebody else has. So timidity means you see yourself as somebody who is not important. Amen. As somebody who is not important, but God wants us to be humble people, but not timid people. Hum- to be humble means don't let anybody use his strength to despise you. Because that strength somebody has, that same somebody has a weakness. Hello? He has a weakness. So don't let somebody use his strength to despise you. Because he also has a strength the person doesn't have. It may not show now. By it to show. Somebody that wants to despise you has weaknesses that you don't have. So don't let anybody despise you because of a strength he has. Amen. All right. And you too don't despise anybody because of his weakness. Because you don't have it all. To be human means you don't have it all. And everyone that becomes proud forgets that he doesn't have it all. Proud people think they have it all. Proud people think they have it all. And the Bible said God hates the proud. In fact, he fights the proud. So let's look at manifestations of humility. What are the things that make you see somebody as humble? Because it shows. Number one, I've already said it, respect for all people. Hello? Irrespective of class, tribe, or gender. Humble people respect everybody. The person is poor, they respect him. Amen. Yeah. As you see, our philosophy is human dignity. We believe that every human being is important. That is why we don't believe in class in church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Next, next one is readiness to learn. Humble people are always teachable people. Teachable people. Humble people look for more opportunity to learn than to teach. Humble people are more busy learning than teaching. (laughs) And even when they have the opportunity to teach, they are brief. (laughs) Amen. Because they don't evaluate their, their importance in how much they can say. They evaluate themselves based on how much they can learn. Humble people are more concerned about their ignorance than about their impression to people. How they can impress the public. I was meditating about this last week and I realized that when we were all in school, Primary school especially. Have you observed that 
Whenever the teacher asks a question, the people who are the first to raise their hands are not the people who top the class in, in, at the end of the term. Have you, had, have, you had, have you had classmates who top the class but they never talk in class? You ask a question, it's only when nobody has the answer then the teacher will force the person. But he knows the thing. <laughs> Most of the time, the people who are the first to raise their hands, they don't even know the answer. Or, or the answer is a cheap one. The answer is a cheap one, so they, they, they know it. And the learned one will say, this one is too cheap. Why should I raise my hand? Let the small boys answer it. Hello? So right from, from infancy, you can see it. That is why there's a saying that empty barrels make more noise. Learned people are more silent than they talk. I have realized that. You know, humble people, every, every place they find themselves, they want to learn. They observe, they ask questions, they read, they study. Proud people don't learn anything. That is why they don't know anything. That is why they can only teach average people. Yeah. So don't be impressed about comments. Be concerned who made that comment. Because if you finish SSS, you can teach in primary school but you cannot teach in the university. And when you are teaching primary school, they can be clapping because all they know is that the teacher is a good teacher. So be careful that people clap for you. If, if all you do is surround yourself with mediocres who know nothing, you, 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 you throw around some few things and they are hailing you, clapping, be careful. It can destroy your life. For instance, before you can teach in the university, you should have at least a master's or much more PhD. Even, in fact, some universities are not even accepting MPhil anymore to be a lecturer. You must have a PhD. Before you can teach in the university. But the one who's teaching primary is also called, is a teacher. Isn't he a teacher? He's a teacher. But there are, there are differences. Amen. Look at Jesus. Most of the lessons that we learn from the Gospels, Jesus taught them because if somebody asked a question. Somebody asked a question. Jesus, is it lawful to... Put away your wife and marry another. Then he started teaching on marriage. One, two, three. Most of the time, Jesus taught only the disciples. He never taught the Pharisees. And I realized that learned people teach only when there is a classroom. Classroom means people have willingly come to come and learn from you. Learned people don't throw their weight around, impose their ignorance on people. Learned people wake up early in the morning. They spend the early part of their day studying. You can't wake up in the morning and all you are thinking about, what can I type and send to people? You should be looking, thinking about what can I read to add to my knowledge? Readiness to learn. People who are proud, when you are teaching them, they will not listen. They will say, I know it. How the, who, who does he think he is? Doesn't he know I know this thing? So, this is what Psalm 25 verse 9 said. He leads the humble in doing right. Teaching them his way. So God doesn't teach everybody. Please. God teaches only who? Talk to me. Who? The humble. He teaches the humble. If you are proud, God won't teach you. Because the time he wants to teach you, you are busy looking for somebody to teach. So he will teach the humble. The humble are people who are ready to learn. They are eager to learn. They want to learn more. The question I want to ask you is, 
how much do you learn periodically? Because if all you know now is what you knew when you last finished school, then your life has not moved. Your life is stagnant. And the truth is, some of you, all that you learn in school, you've forgotten. If we set exams for you now, there will be trouble here. We have to, we have to retrieve your certificates. <laughs> because once you finish school, you close the book. But look at what God told Joshua. He said, every day you have to keep learning. You have to keep meditating. Meditating means study. Think through the, the knowledge. Amen. Learning is supposed to be a lifelong, continuous process. I'm not saying learn everything, even from ignorant people. There are things I don't read. Because when I read, I may make a comment that somebody will be annoyed, so I won't read. There are people I don't listen to. I mean, I choose which channel of TV I watch. Because there are too many horrible rubbish on TV. But you need to choose what you learn. I'm not saying readiness to learn means everything they are saying, better be listening. No. But you have to learn. And you have to choose your sources of learning. Knowledge is so important. Hello? And the only way to get knowledge, knowledge never jams on people. You just have to learn it. And you learn it with the right attitude. Right attitude. If you are humble and you get to successful people, you easily become successful. Hello? Because they will teach you everything. They will teach you their secrets. Do you know that apprentices who work from a master, they will never learn the same things. There are certain apprentices, the master will teach them everything. He said, this one will teach you alone. Because you look at them, some of them are arrogant, proud. So he doesn't teach them everything. If you meet somebody who is more successful than you, you should be quiet. You should never talk. In fact, you must not say anything unless he asks you a question. You can't be trying to impress somebody who has done ten times what you are now trying to do once. And you want to impress him that you two you know so that he should respect you. What should he respect? <laughs> because if you really know what you claim to know, you should be more successful than a person. This is my... Uh, maybe, maybe I'm jumping my message. Maybe we'll come back to it. But let me say this. The only proof of knowledge is results. Let me say it again. The only proof of knowledge is results. So if you really know something, prove it before you go teach it. <laughs> Amen. There are people, when they want to teach something somewhere, you should go because they have their results. Amen. They have their results. If Bill Gates is doing a seminar, how to be a billionaire in one week, it sounds crazy, but I will still go. If it is in Ghana, I will pay any price, I will go. He's not a Christian, but I will go. Because principles are universal. It doesn't matter whether it's a Bible principle. Principle is principle. Hello? All right. But now you found, you found a secret to becoming a billionaire. But you are still broke. And now you want me to come for a seminar. You remember the man who wrote the book, Ten Commandments for, why? for Parenting. Ten Commandments for Parenting. Young, youthful psychologist. Has a PhD in psychology. Ten Commandments for Parenting. Then he married and started having children. And he changed the title, Ten Suggestions for Parenting. <laughs> Because talk is cheap. 
If you want to learn about parenting, learn it from somebody who has children for at least 10 to 20 years. He can teach you better. He can teach you better. If you want to learn about business, learn from somebody who started a business from the scratch and the business has become global. Great and outstanding. When you, when you learn from that person, you are learning right. And when you meet such people, don't talk. You shut up and learn. There are things I don't know. If people in this church are teaching me something that I don't know, I listen. Amen. There are decisions I'll never make until I've spoken with people who are experienced and who are learned on that subject. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. I am the pastor, but I listen to what somebody has to say because it's important. Readiness to learn. Amen. Next one. Humble people accept correction willingly. You know, pr- proud people, when you correct them, they get annoyed. Proud people cannot be corrected. Proud people only want you to praise them when they do right and shut up when they do wrong. If you are a human being and nobody can correct you, you are in serious trouble because you will never be successful. And if where you are now, listening to me this morning, there is nobody in your life who can rebuke you. You are in danger. In fact, you are an endangered human being. You need to have somebody in your life now that when you are misbehaving and you hear his voice, you must stop misbehaving. If you don't have anybody like that, my brother, you, you are in trouble. Don't think that is, you, are, you have arrived. No, you are in trouble. You need to have people in your life who can make you do what you don't want to do. I don't care your age or your status. There must be people in your life. I'm not talking about people who force to rebuke you. People you have that decided to submit yourself to and check all successful people. They have somebody. And they don't just have a figure. They're listening to the person in reality because, because gift alone is nothing. Read, study all the successful people all over the world. In history, I'm not talking about even now. To find that there's somebody behind the scene. Amen. All right. They used to say that when you are constructing a path, and it used to be um, an adage in the village, because when we are constructing, we construct with cutlass. Now, when you are saying that thing, it doesn't make sense. To, but when you go to the village, you are constructing a path with cutlass. Some of you, are, you don't even know what is cutlass. Some of you, if we give you cutlass now, there'll be trouble. You will never know how straight the path is unless somebody behind tells you. Unless somebody behind tells you. The next manifestation of humility is sincerity about your weakness. Proud people hide their weakness. They are not sincere. Are you afraid? No, I'm not. In fact, I've never been afraid before. That's a proud man. Because even if you didn't say, you know in your heart you are afraid. If you are humble, 
you should be able to identify what you are not very good at. And don't force yourself there. Celebrate people who are good at that and stay in your lane. Celebrate difference. Amen. Don't become annoyed when they are praising somebody who has a strength you don't have. Because that person they are praising, he too has a weakness that you don't have. So be sincere about your weakness. Amen. I have realized that if you are sincere about your weakness, God can even help you out. Number two, you can, have, you can get people who can even help you minimize that weakness. But here you are, you are hiding it. You are hiding it and you are posing to be what you are not. That is when your integrity becomes questioned. The next one, sincere about your ignorance. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 4. Let's see how this important principle comes in. Sincere about your ignorance. Zechariah 4, verse 2. And he said to me, what do you see now? And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Verse 3. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. Verse 4. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? That is the test of humility. I mean, Prophet Zechariah, he sees visions. He can see things. But what made him an outstanding prophet is that when he sees the vision, he takes his time to allow God to give him the interpretation. The angel asks Zechariah, don't you know the meaning of this? In other words, you are old enough to know this. You've been seeing visions for a while. You've been in the ministry for a while. So, humble people ask questions. What was the question? He said, what are these, my Lord? What is the meaning of what I'm seeing? Humble people ask questions. They ask questions. Not only to people, but to themselves. I've come to realize that when you question life, life will give you answers. There are things you see. Don't, be, don't, don't rush to just draw conclusions. Ask questions. Ask questions. Why are things the way they are? Why is that guy's business doing it? Don't just say, oh, don't mind him. He's using juju. Hello? Find out. Ask questions. Why is my business not moving forward? That's a good question to ask. Not go and say, who is doing my business not to do well? <laughs> because that is the African mentality. The, African, the average African believes that everything happening to you, somebody is responsible. Do you know that is irresponsibility? In fact, it's laziness. We'll come to talk about that later. The average African. That is why prophetic ministry has been turned into something else. Now, when the average believer, when he goes to a prophet, he's not looking for solution. He wants the prophet to find out who is making my marriage not to work. Is that my mother-in-law or an auntie or somebody else? Then, then they don't be, if, if you are a prophet and if all you do is you pray and then there's a miracle, they don't believe you are a good prophet. The one, the one that can see who is doing you, who is doing you. No, it's not everything. It's not everything you are going through that somebody is doing you. Sometimes the somebody who is doing you is yourself. Amen. 
So you can kill that your in-law, but the marriage will still have a problem because the real person doing the you is you. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Ask questions. He said, what are these, my Lord? And the angels tested his humility because your humility will always be tested. I remember when I proposed to my wife and she took me to her pastor, very elderly, experienced man of God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, I believed myself. <laughs> Young, dynamic, knowledgeable pastor. I believed myself. So he asked me the question, so, so how many books have you read on marriage? And those times I have read a lot. And I believe I knew everything about marriage. So I've read 20 to 30. And it's true at that time because I had a lot of challenge before I met my wife. So I read so much about marriage. And I was teaching marriage to the extent that people say, I am, I am, I am, um, you know, that's what I told you. Be careful the people who made the comments. <laughs> Amen. Be careful who, who made the comments. People said, I am one of the best marriage, you know, counselors in the village level <laughs> at that time. So, this pastor threw the first question. I didn't know it. So I said, oh, I don't know the answer. Hallelujah. And, and that is a serious challenge that the lady who you proposed to, who believe, also believes that you are a very knowledgeable pastor, you are now telling... <laughs> <laughs> You are not telling her pastor in her presence. It's like, it's like, what are you trying to do? <laughs> and one thing I don't like is I don't know something. I'm trying to figure out an answer, try to suggest an answer to see whether it's right or wrong. I don't, if I don't know the thing, I don't know it. The question you asked, then he asked a second one. I didn't know it. I told him I don't know. <laughs> then he asked the third question. Then I realized that, wow, this guy is very knowledgeable. He got the third question too, I didn't know the answer. So I told him I didn't know. Then he taught me all, asked my wife. He taught me the answer to the first question. He taught me the answer to the second question. Right? The first time I met the man, I started learning. Then later I found out he had a master's in counseling. <laughs> and at that time, I don't even have the first degree. <laughs> Amen. So he, he taught me the answer to the first question. If, I, if I'm teaching, I don't tell you, that's where I learned it. You'll never know. That's what I like about knowledge. I am not obligated to tell you where I learned what I learned from. <laughs> Amen. That's the beautiful thing about being humble. You will learn a lot. And people will not even know how, how you got the knowledge. He taught me the answer to the first question, taught me the second question, taught me the third question, and by the time he finished, we had struck a relationship. Hallelujah. Yeah. One way you can tell somebody is not humble is that he cannot look at you and say, I don't know this. Do you not know what these are? And he said, no, my Lord. Look at the next verse. Verse 6. So he answered. He did what? He answered. Anytime you accept your ignorance, 
God will fill you with knowledge. He answered and said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by my... Now, so this quotation we've been quoting, it came because somebody passed the test of humility. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Hey, it came. If Zachariah said, oh, I know it, like people normally do. Don't you know this thing? Oh, yes, oh, I know it. I mean, candlesticks. Look at the vision compared to the message. They, are, they don't... There is no connection. <laughs> he could have missed it completely if he was proud. I believe there are many prophets in the days of Zechariah who never entered scripture. Because they saw a lot of things. The humility did not allow them to get the message right. And you can't be preaching the wrong thing. God will put you in scripture. Not by might. Not by power. But this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Then he answered me and said, listen to me, you can even take the Bible and learn nothing. All you read is information. The moment you are reading the Bible for somebody, you are reading it like, oh, let me find another powerful thing to go and show them that I am knowledgeable. You are proud, and you never find anything. Amen. Yeah. Somebody can read one verse of scripture, just one verse, not the chapter, one verse, and get the whole book. I'm not just talking about any kind of book. I'm talking about a book that will impact lives. Knowledge. God will give knowledge to the one who accepts his ignorance. When Zechariah said, I don't know it, the Lord began to give him answers. So how do you read your Bible? Are you reading it for yourself? Humble people are sincere about their ignorance. I wish I could show you more examples in in the Bible. Uh, when you read the book of Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, what did Philip ask the guy? He said, do you understand what you are reading? That's a very wealthy man, the minister of finance in the Ethiopian government at that time, riding a chariot. He said, do you understand what you are reading? And that was the big question. It's going to determine whether this man will be saved that day or he will not be saved. And I'm sure, man, every now and then, we come face to face with the answer that will turn our life around. The secret that will turn our life around. But probably pride deprived you. Pride blocked your access to that information. The Tupac Enoch said, I don't. I need somebody to explain this to me. And then Philip began to teach him. And he got born again. And took the gospel to Africa. The benefits of humility. Number one, it brings you promotion. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. Let's go to verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you submit to one another. You see, you see they said, submit to your elders. Hello? Then he said, submit to what? One another. Respect elderly people. Respect those above you and respect people at your level and below your level. Very important to humility. Humble people respect everybody. If you are the boss, still respect the people who work under you. And be clothed with humility. Be what? Clothed. Let humility clothe you. Why? Because God, not the devil, not demons, God resists the proud. 
To resist means oppose, obstruct. You put obstacles in your way personally because you are taking the credit for what he made you. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. You are refusing to be at the level he put you. Hello? You are putting yourself at a level he hasn't turned you there yet. For example, you are taking titles you don't deserve. Pride. You are calling yourself names that you are not. Pride. God will resist you. He will personally make sure you never go far. He resists the proud and he gives grace to who? The humble. What does that mean? Grace means divine enablement. It means you don't struggle to get results. When somebody has grace on his life, he does little, he achieves much. The Bible said he'll give you grace. Hello? Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. So when you are humble, God promotes you. He lifts you up. When you lift up yourself, he will humble you. But Jesus said, those who will exalt themselves, God will depose them. The next benefit of humility is good relationship with people. I've spoken about that already. The next one. The day he starts saying, everybody is complaining about me. Check your attitude. Because everybody cannot be wrong. Of course, not everybody will speak good about you. There are some slanderous, vicious people who always look for ways to destroy your name, speak evil of you. But there are still people who will defend you if you are right. So if everybody is complaining, if all your customers are leaving, all of them cannot be wrong. No woman wants to hang around you for more than three months. All of them cannot be wrong. If you are not humble, you can't work with people for long. You can't maintain relationships for long. Even your children are running away from you. Big problem. Relations can relate with you. Family can relate with you. Your spouse is afraid of you. Your children are concerned about you. <laughs> your children have made you a prayer topic. <laughs> and you still believe that they are the problem, but you, you are right. Next one. Because it's God to give you grace. We've spoken about that. Let's close with Philippians chapter 2. We'll read. Verse 2 to 6, Philippians 2, verse 2 to 6. Fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Attitude, attitude, attitude. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or pride. The word conceit means pride, hello? But lowliness of mind. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. In other words, have the attitude that Christ had. What was Jesus' attitude? Even though he was God and did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, Next verse. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. Jesus was God, 
there was nothing wrong if he called himself God. But in order to save us, he decided to humble himself and become human. The next verse. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. I've come to realize that every great and successful person, there was a point when everything turned around. And that was the place where their humility is tested. Most of the time when you, when you, when you, when you ask people who just broke through, suddenly they just hit the scene. Suddenly they just went global. When you ask them what they did, and I realized that, and you read success stories, it just happens. But I believe this is where it happens. Because of something Jesus did, God also decided, I'm bringing an explosion. I'm bringing an expansion. Don't fail the test of humility. You will be tested. If you claim you are humble, your humility will be tested. And when you fail, you, come, you go back and start. Because God will never promote you when you fail the exams. Jesus put away his title, put away his position. Humble people don't care about their title. They don't care about position. They care about results. If title is more important to you than results, you have an identity problem and you are proud. But Jesus, the most influential person in the whole world, put away his title, put away his position. But God exalted him above title and position. That is what humility can do for you. May the Lord bless your life. today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.